This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The Scoop Podcast moves on, well, until somebody tells us to be quiet, which is entirely possible, or the sponsorships dry up, which is also entirely possible. But we are very thankful that Running Tap is with us. I'll give some love to Running Tap in just a second. Hello, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode 112. We will catch up with new Gophers quarterback, or he will be when he officially signs here in a few weeks. Right now, he's a verbal commitment. Vic Viramontis had a chance to catch up with him at the airport on Monday after his official visit. He committed to the Gophers over Ole Miss and Kansas, among others. So we'll catch up with the new Gophers quarterback. I would say he's got the inside track to be the starting quarterback in 2018. No guarantees, but I would make him the betting favorite. We will also catch up briefly with Jim Carter. Although, you know what? Nothing can be brief with Jim. Former Gopher, former Green Bay Packer. You know what? Disagreement is healthy for the soul. I don't always agree with Jim, but we can have a civil discussion. We can disagree. He sent a recent letter to the Board of Regents. He wants them to vote no on the P.J. Fleck contract extension. I mentioned on episode 111 that I know one board member who will vote no, but I'm convinced, in fact, I know that there are enough votes among the Board of Regents to pass the P.J. Fleck one-year contract extension come December. But Jim Carter reaching out to the board, writing a two-page letter, suggesting they say no to the P.J. Fleck contract extension. We'll find out why he feels that way. But first, love for Running Tap, running-tap.com. They deliver beer right to your doorstep. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on Twitter, on Facebook, out and about from people who have used Running Tap. Thank you so much for supporting one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Running Tap again. For more information, running-tap.com. They are a local startup that delivers beer directly from tap rooms to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around sometimes upwards of six months. For an IPA, for example, that absolutely impacts how that IPA is meant to taste. Plus, you think about it, there's well over 150 breweries in the state now, and many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff, but 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars, but they can make it into your living room. Go to running-tap.com, check out all the local beer that they will deliver right to you, and if you use the promo code THESCOOP002, THESCOOP002, you get $20 off your order of $30 or more. Again, the promo code, the scoop 2 If you're into the local beer scene, you will absolutely love Running Tap. Check them out again, the website, running-tap.com. All right, let's get to Jim Carter. I've got Twins notes. I've got Wolves notes. A player of the Wolves have some trade interest in, so I'll get to that after my conversation with Jim Carter. Then I think we'll finish up the podcast with my conversation with the new Gophers quarterback, Vic Viramontes. Again, Jim has some issues with the Gophers head coach, P.J. Fleck, getting a contract extension. I don't agree with Jim Carter's stance on that, but I welcome all opinions. I'm not going to say, hey, Jim can never come on the podcast because he disagrees with me. I actually like disagreement. So we'll have Jim on. We'll have him explain his stance. We'll try to go back and forth with Jim. So let's get to Jim right now. Jim, always appreciate your time. In my hands is a letter that I got my hands on. It is a letter you wrote. David McMillan, the chair of the Board of Regents, University of Minnesota, will go, I'm not going to dissect it line by line, but we'll go over a number of points in the letter. Jim, let me start with your opening paragraph, and then I'll get your reaction. Dear David, 
This letter is to urge you and the other members of the board to discharge your duty of care under the Board of Regents policy regarding reservation and delegation of authority by not approving the contract extension for the head football coach. All right, I'll stop there, Jim. Why are you so against the P.J. Fleck contract extension? Um, It's just a a continuing stream, Darren, of people uh, on that Board of Regents uh, not paying attention to the purse strings at that university. And and the letter you've got in your hands, of course, uh, is one of just a series of of monthly letters I've sent to the Board of Regents going all the way back a year now with uh, Gopher 10 uh, catastrophe that we had with the uh, Gopher football players a year ago. Uh, Everything, the cover-ups that have gone on, the wasting of money, it just goes on and on. And this letter is just another step in what I believe is is a lack of fiscal responsibility, certainly with the office of the president. But since the board of directors is the board of regents and they're supposed to have fiduciary responsibility to you and me as taxpayers and, and to the university, they need to stand up and start looking at these things, watching these millions of dollars go down the drain. And this is just another instance of that. You're right, Jim. I mean, I know that you send them monthly letters. Is there any fear that you're sending them so many letters that it's almost boy cries wolf that they're not paying attention because you're inundating them with letter after letter? No, I don't think there's any fear of that because I know in the first place, very uh, out of 12 of them, maybe one or two reads them and gives any thought to them. Uh, It's a a problem uh, right now at the university in that the Board of Regents is much more interested in making sure that the university is not embarrassed for all the boneheaded things they do rather than seeking the truth. And and the the recent uh, report that came out, we spent $200,000 for a total whitewash cover-up on that sexual uh, assault thing from a year ago. They've swept that under the table and don't want to review that. There's not been any public review of that on the board. Uh, this this money with Fleck, I mean, Fleck's here to stay. I mean, I'm not arguing whether he'll be a uh, winning coach or not. I just think it's, it's pretty clearly ridiculous to uh, give an extension to a guy that went five and seven with an eight with a nine and four team from the year before. I, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I, I can't see anybody that's given a, a decent answer to the question of why would we extend right now to that coach. Let me do my best to explain. You can disagree, but let me do my best to explain, Jim. To explain what? Your view of this? Yeah, well, the the reason for him getting the contract extension. Is this your reason, or did someone, did, did Coyle tell you this, or where does it come well, from? Well, I would say informed sources. How about that? You know me. I love to dig for information. So yeah. this yeah. isn't me just pulling this information out of thin air. Okay. All right. There is no new money in the extension from everything I've seen. I mean, they sent us details of the extension the other day. I read through it as best I could. He's got escalators every year in the contract. So the escalator is there. But there's no there's no real new money that I can tell. Unless I'm missing something, it's just another year tacked on with the escalators that are built in. But there's no new money with the one-year addition. Well, now, wait. Would you say there's no new money? There's... Three million five hundred and fifty thousand dollars new money, isn't there? There is, but what I'm saying is, it's another year tacked on. When they originally talked about a six-year deal, going back to last January, Brian Harlan, 
Kevin Harlan's brother, who's the agent for P.J. Fleck. Him and Mark Coyle discussed terms of a six-year deal, ultimately agreed on a five-year deal. But now, I guess, in essence, it's a six-year deal. Here's the other thing. So Harlan was at the Gophers Northwestern game. Undoubtedly, him and Coyle had a conversation, Jim. I am positive that Tennessee reached out to Brian Harlan, expressing some level of interest in P.J. Fleck. And we see the disaster that's going on in Knoxville right now. Now, do I think P.J. Fleck was leaving here after one year? For a tough SEC job, I don't. But I do think his agent played the game brilliantly. And did Coyle maybe fall for that game? Maybe so. But maybe Coyle thought maybe there is a chance he would entertain, you know, a really rich offer from Tennessee. Heck, Mike Gundy, the word tonight, Jim, is Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State turned down a six-year, $42 million offer from Tennessee. Now, again, do I think Tennessee was offering that to P.J. Fleck? I don't. But I do think Tennessee reached out to the agent. The agent used that leverage and got the one additional year. I'm actually not that bothered by it. I'm not. Well, uh, as you know, I've got sources, too, and let me tell you what did happen. It worked the reverse of what you suggest. Tennessee didn't reach out to Brian Harland. I know the athletic director of Tennessee. His name is Curry. He had no interest at all, none, in Fleck. What Brian Harland did, though, that you said, which is brilliant, he went and beat our athletic director, like a drum, just pounded him into the ground and said, oh, I've got interest in my guy. He might go to Tennessee. You don't want to lose him. Give us another year. And Coyle folded, just like Kaler folded, like they did for Patino a year ago when he said he was going to Alabama. I think it's embarrassing, Darren, that, that these people that are supposed to be fiscally responsible to run our university are buckling under agents and, I, again, I give Brian credit. I've known him for yeah, 35 no. years. Yeah, he played the game brilliantly. He There's no doubt in my mind. But what about the people that are supposed to represent our fiscal interests at the university? Aren't you, aren't you embarrassed by that and ashamed and wondering why they're spending our money like that? I'm not ashamed by the extension. I'll tell you one thing I'm ashamed about. Now, maybe it's my bias because I work for Hubbard Broadcasting, but I know how much we vet out stories. Heck, I can tell you. There's a high-profile athlete at the University of Minnesota. You may know who I'm talking about who, put it this way, if we wanted to blow this thing up, we could. But we vetted out the story, and there's nothing there. So I just, I know the diligence that occurs in my TV newsroom when we report something, when we don't. We did report the Randy Handel stuff, and what did they spend on that? Seventy-five thousand dollars trying to discover the leak from the board of regents. To me, that was a waste of money. That that absolutely was a waste of money. Criminal, almost criminal. Because I can tell you, the amount of work that was done in my newsroom, there was legitimacy to that story. Why not investigate why that stuff was taking place, not the leak? Exactly. So yes, that's seventy-five grand. I'm with you. That was a complete waste of money. I don't understand your point on this high-profile athlete right now that you checked out the story. No, well, no. My point on that is, it's just it's to back up how deep we dig in the Channel 5 newsroom on stories. That we got this tip on this high-profile athlete that something might have been going on, and we vetted the whole thing out, and we've come to the conclusion nothing is going on with this athlete that we should report on. That if we reported on this stuff, it would damage the athlete. There was no police report. There was a lot of things that we vetted out that there was no reason for us to report that story. So it's just an example of when we reported the Randy Handel stuff, we vetted the you-know-what out of it. So trust me, we knew what we were doing reporting the Randy Handel stuff. There was no reason for, for them to spend seventy five grand trying to investigate the leak.
I'm investigate sorry, I Randy Handel. I don't know how this is germane to what you and I are talking it's about. It's not. I was just I was bringing up the point that, you know, we here at Channel 5 vet out things and, and we're on the same page on this one. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the 75 grand. You're talking about, you know, am I upset about, you know, fiscal irresponsibility and all that? Yeah, on the 75 grand as a taxpayer, as an alum of the university, Jim, absolutely. What I'm saying is on the Fleck extension, I'm not. To me, it's the cost of big-time college athletics. It just is in this day and age. For a guy that went 5-7, and seven, got shut out two games in a row, first time in 67 years with basically – you can argue this, but basically the same personnel that they went to a bowl. Last no, year no. See, Jim, no. Record. Can I stop you there? No. You I can mean, stop me, but we're, we're going to agree to disagree as friends. Well, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, I said this in the in the intro, Jim. Civil disagreement is fine. You know, yeah. I will always respect you. I may not agree with you, but I'll always respect you. But <laughs> for okay, sure, Myrick, Travis, Persig, Leidner, Wolatarski, Lynn, Galen Elmore transfers. Two other. Uh, guys transfer two offensive linemen oh, that would have been minute, in the mix this Don't year. Don't include those transfers. They transferred because of Fleck. That, that, that's, that, that's not included in the group that are gone. Yeah, but there are transfers every single year. Well, right? I every agree. program, every single, every single year. Every single year. All right, well, that's fine then. We can stop there. Myrick, Travis, Persig, Leidner, Wolotarski, Lynn. Heck, Mitch Leidner was fine in 2014 and 2015. He took a step back in 2016, but who would not have take, you know, taken Mitch Leidner here in 2017. So I'm just saying, if you look from a personnel standpoint, then you think about Antoine Winfield Jr. getting hurt very early in the season. Demetrius Douglas getting hurt very early in the season. You cite the two shutouts to end the year. Tyler Johnson, out. I mean, he's playing two walk-on wide receivers against the Badgers. Nick Connolly, starting right tackle from Red Wing, suffers, unfortunately, his fifth concussion, not with the Gophers, but even going back to high school. He ends up retiring after the Purdue game, so early in the Big Ten season. And I get it. Injuries, Jim, happen year in and year out. But I think if you look at the 2016 roster and compare it to the 2017 roster, I do think that's unfair. I really do. Well, I mean, you know, we we can discuss that forever. I I disagree, but I hear what you're saying, and I I understand your point of view. And it it fits right into uh, Flex's point of view, I'm sure. Uh, He keeps calling it. Year zero, which, uh, you know... I That have, bugs I, me. Well, I don't get that. Yeah, that absolutely bugs me. I don't like the year zero well, talk. Well, well, hell yeah. How do you think the seniors feel like when he says stuff like that, like Stephen mm-hmm. Richardson or Jonathan, Jonathan Thumper Celestine, when mm-hmm. they put in this program, and to hear him stand up and say this is zero, year zero, and then, tell, and then you're going to tell me that he's looking out for the spiritual and emotional uh, well-being of those kids? That's BS. All right, help me with this, Jim. Why do you believe that if Tracy Clays was coaching this team this year that they would have had, I don't know, would it be significantly more than five wins, more than five wins? I mean, they'd have won seven. They'd have won he didn't seven want the Tamu kid. I'll he didn't want the quarterback that went to Ole Miss. They'd have done it, they'd have done it with Seth Green at quarterback, yeah. who nobody's even talked about anymore. Great and athlete, not a quarterback. Reason, the reason they don't have him even in the picture anymore is he was Tracy Clays' guy, and he's been ignored. Nobody even mentions his name anymore. I believe he'd have won seven games for us. I disagree. I don't see it. That's okay. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Okay, I'll continue reading this letter. Okay. The attendance for the football games has not changed much from last year, so the revenue has not increased. Okay, I'll stop there. As far as I know, they sold almost 2,000 new season tickets. Now, maybe a lot of those people didn't show up. I'm with you. If you looked at the stadium most game days, there were a ton of empty seats. But my understanding is they did sell a significant amount of new season tickets. That, to me, would be new revenue, right? 
Uh, I don't know where you got that 2,000 number, but I, I've never seen that number. It's it's a little below. It's like 1,800. I'm just telling you, if you want to look it up, they did sell. Now, a lot of people bailed. Don't forget that you know because of the, the scholarship thing yeah. that, that Norwood Teague that. implemented, yep. that a lot of people bailed. Yep. So it wasn't because of Tracy Clay's. It was you had to pay all this additional money for your seats. But I'm just saying that some people were sold on, on P.J. Fleck in January. They did buy tickets. It was, it was somewhere between 1,600 and 2,000 new season tickets. Okay, even if I give you that, uh, I'll tell you what Eric Kaler said when he hired him. You can read it. You guys probably reported it. He said that no money will come out of tuition or public institutional money to pay for Fleck and all his salaries, which is uh, north of $27 million. He said the increase in ticket sales will cover it. Now, if you're telling me... When did he, he say that? I'll, get the, I'll, I'll quote it and get it for you right out of the paper. I've got it in my file. Okay. He said that in Sid's column and one other place. Are we positive that Sid heard him correctly? And I'm not joking <laughs> about that. Are we sure that Sid quoted him properly? Well, you may have a point there, but, you know, we'd have to check on that. All right. Let me find some other points here because we'll agree on some things. The athletic department continues to lose money. The Athletes' Village is still not funded. And millions continue to be transferred from the general fund to cover athletic department losses. And I didn't even mention that ticket, the ticket office deal that's still under the investigation from the FBI that happened in June. They found some guy was either selling tickets out the back door. And, and so uh, that hasn't, nobody's even talked about that, but the FBI is still over there investigating that. Who knows how much we lost on that? Yeah, although I think that was one guy. That was the boss over there. I know what you're talking about. And maybe somebody should have seen it, picked up on it. You think? You know, that guy had some personal demons, <laughs> some personal financial demons that he was yeah. trying to overcome. Yeah, I wonder who hired him. Yeah, well, I don't know who exactly hired him. Was that a Norwood Teague hire? Uh, no, I would guess that was a Kathy Brown. The head of HR probably hired him. Well, I don't know. Maybe. You might be right on that. But yes, overall, but I don't know if I blame Coyle on that one. Maybe I should. Maybe Coyle needs Where's to be the, the overseer of every single athletic department employee. I think so. I think so. Where does the buck going to stop otherwise? It either stops with Coyle or Kaler. Take your pick. All right, but here's my point. Is there any way, I mean, outside of having a ridiculous Nike contract, is there any way with all the built-in expenses for the university to make money when it comes to athletics? There are universities in the Big Ten that are. Well, because of the Nike contracts, right? Or well, whatever the apparel who, contract who, is, Michigan, who Ohio State. this Nike contract? Well, how much can you get from Nike when you're the University of Minnesota? Well, a hell of a lot more than Joel got when he negotiated that one. He and, and I suppose Coyle was here back then when they negotiated Well, no, it. it got renegotiated under Mike Ellis and Norwood Teague. It expires in a year or two. So I guess we'll see what Mark Coyle can pull off. But I'm just saying, I mean, you're getting the Big Ten money. Everybody's getting the same Big Ten money, right? Everybody's getting the yeah, same, the same bowl money. Yep. I'm just saying, I think Ohio State makes a ton of money because they have unbelievable Nike money. Are you saying that the athletic department here at the University of Minnesota cannot make money? I think it's challenging. You tell me how oh, the athletic I, I, department hey, can make hey, money. I don't disagree at all. It's challenging. Okay, so how can they make money, I guess? You've got to win at football, and you've got to sell out your stadium. All right, well, do you think Tracy Clays was going to sell out the stadium and win at football? I don't know. Well, that's not the discussion. I'm not asking you to hire or asking anybody else to hire Tracy back. I am saying that they treated the man horribly, probably That's fair. ruined his life and, and did some underhanded things, but I'm not suggesting he come back. But I, I do believe that we should not be 
in the business of selling sports and providing sports scholarships and all the other things, 26 teams, $120 million budget if we can't pay for itself. All right, well, then eliminate some sports. I mean, that's, that's hey, a different elephant in the you. room. But there no, are too I'm, many sports I'm there. You. I'm with you. I mean, it's unfair. I don't want to single out any one sport, but I'm just saying in general, there are too many sports at the university, Jim. So you do agree that the athletic department should make money? Uh, not under the current setup. Well, who should pay for it then? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think the fact that Wilson and Carter continue to pay for it seems right to me. I, I don't. And then to compound that with the obvious and glaring mistakes, we just talked about a bunch of them, spending seventy-five grand to look for a needle in a haystack when that's not the problem. Spending two hundred thousand to investigate uh, a, a, a terrible happening with ten kids, all black, by the way, and get nothing out of that except a whitewash and a, and a sweep under the carpet. Uh, pay a, an athletic director that's got fired. Pay him another four hundred and seventy thousand dollars while he's been fired, and keep paying him year after year. Was Maturi fired? <laughs> I mean, it might have been a forced resignation. Oh, I'm sorry, forced resignation. Yeah, well, what's the difference? Yeah, I agree. His salary was pretty hefty teaching a class or two. I yeah, I'll I'll well, give you that one. I'll give you the seventy-five grand on the handle investigation. They all pile up, and it's wasted money, and nobody calls them on it. As I said, this is what you get when you've got a board of directors that are are rather than doing their duty to you and me and all the taxpayers and the university, they do their duty to the president who's not comfortable in his harness, and he ends up telling them what to do, and that's what we've got now. Well, I'll tell you this much. I have requested to sit down with Dr. Kaler. I'm not making this up, Jim. Five times in the last seven months. How many sit-down interviews do you think I've gotten? Zero. Zero. So it would be nice if he would answer some questions there you go now you know this i guarantee you know this now i fully believe next month the fleck contract extension will pass but there are members of the board of regents who will vote no on this extension that's exactly correct all right now do you have an exact number two yeah well it might even be three but maybe three yeah but there there will be enough votes to pass the thing you know yes, so i mean you can write every letter you want jim it's it's not going to do a whole lot of good though you're right i'm not saying that my letters do any good but there's a growing number of people. And, you know, some of the things that I've complained about, like, like the uh, ridiculous investigation into the Gopher 10 from a year ago, not all of my warm-ass guys that are friends and, and people that receive copies of all of my stuff, not all of them agree with me, but the greatest share do. The greatest share of people, not just athletes, but sports writers, sports casters, people in general on the street, they want the truth, and they want um, to be able to, to, to listen to, to people that are talking heads or talking on TV and to have them tell the truth and be transparent. We don't have that. All right, let me ask you this. You said somewhere along the way that the university, these are your words, did it ruin Tracy Clays' life, might have ruined his life? I said that, yes. Okay, how is that possible? He got a hefty check to walk away. I think I feel worse for, for you know, the guy that? that, you know, the quarterback coach. For Jay Johnson, who's here for a year, Lakeville native, moves his family up from Louisiana. He's out of a job after a year. I think Tell I feel I feel I'm worse for those folks. With you. I'm with you. I agree 100%. Okay, so how is, how is Clay's life ruined? He'll well, get a job next year if he wants one. I'll tell you how it was ruined. 
He got dismissed because Kaler and Coyle lied, bold-faced lies about who suspended those kids. Clay's got blamed for it. The players believed it, and it ruined Tracy's life by getting fired. It was his first shot at a head job. He got fired for something he did not do, and those guys never got investigated. The Dorsey investigation never got to the fact of what happened in that situation. They either ignored it, or they didn't interview the right people, or people lied about it. I'll continue to tell you, if that fiasco doesn't occur, I still think Tracy is out of a job. That it's as be. simple as Mark Coyle wanted to bring in his own guy. No doubt, Darren. You're correct about that. But the way this all turned down, this is why I say, I'm not saying it absolutely ruined Tracy's life, but it could have, because the way this all went down was a horrible way to treat a person. And you agree, you, just, in, just in human decency, to, to lie about a guy, throw him under the bus, embarrass him publicly, and you say you got a lot of money. Flex getting three and a half million, plus he can't spend a dime the way they promote him and give him limos to drive around in. He's getting that every year, plus a $50,000 raise. Tracy made a million and a quarter. I mean, that's a lot of money to me and you, but in the football parlance, not a lot of money. Yeah, but that, isn't that the cost of doing business? With? Major college football? Big With? Ten? I mean, where's Flex? Sixth or seventh in the Big Ten salary-wise? He's 33rd in the country. Did we have the 33rd best year tonight? Well, what was Jerry Kill's record year one? A kill? Now, wait a minute. You can't even come close to comparing that. You're, you're teasing me now because what Kill inherited from that idiot Brewster. Well, no doubt, yes. Kill inherited a mess. Fleck didn't inherit a mess. But Fleck inherited, I mean, hey, don't forget, Keontae Harden and Ray Buford were kicked out of school. Maybe rightfully so. I mean, I think there was a divide, five guys, five guys. But but I'm just saying, you know, heck, those two guys would have been his starting cornerbacks this year, for God's sakes. I'm just saying, Fleck didn't inherit a great roster. But, yes, Jerry Kill inherited an absolute mess. There is no denying that. Here's one thing I will disagree, though, Jim. Okay, so P.S. in your letter. A number of Gophers gave up, in parentheses, quit on the field against Northwestern and Wisconsin. I don't think guys quit, Jim. I don't. I don't think they're very good. I don't think those walk-on receivers are very good. I don't think they quit, though. I think there was effort. They're just not good. I've been around the game for 50 years, and I wouldn't say it. I don't want to say it. I didn't want to see it happen. I really am close to a number of those kids, but it happened. I saw it against Northwestern. I saw it against Wisconsin. Guys gave up, and that that just can't happen. I, I just haven't seen that since the time I've been back in the cities, and that's been since Kill came here. I don't know if the players – hey, I'll grant you this one, Jim. The coaches might have given up. They're down 24 to nothing in the second half. They ran the ball seven consecutive plays. So, to me, they had no interest in winning that game. But I don't think the players quit, Jim, unless you want to cite names. Nope. And I'll go back I and watch the film. Well, I'll go back that. and watch. I just, to me, it wasn't an effort issue. It was a talent issue. Nah, I don't buy it. All right, well, that's fair. This was a good conversation. We went longer than I had time for, Jim. You know that, that I, hey, to me, disagreement is healthy for the soul. I may not agree with everything you say, but you know I respect you, Before and we'll continue you, to have Darren, these talks. You, you bring up a good point. People say to me, well, Carter, you know, everybody, we always saying how you love the university. Why are you so critical of them? I am, I am a conditional person. I admit that. I, I'm that way with my friends. I want... I, I want the university I want to be like the experience I had, which was a great experience. I played for a great coach, a wonderful man with dignity and grace. 
I want the kids that are there now to have that same experience. I, I tell my friends, you know, if you can't tell me the truth, if we can't be honest with each other, I guess we can't be friends. And that's my situation with the university. I am so critical because I just want them to be honest and transparent. And that's what I'm trying to get done. You know that some people will say that you're upset because you're not on the Board of Regents, that your friend got fired last year, that, that you wouldn't be fighting this fight if, if, say, Tracy Clays was still the coach and you were on the Board of Regents. If they'd have treated Tracy Clays fairly and reasonably, they may be right. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten on this. But, but you know, I am a bulldog now. I keep seeing more and more things that are wrong and money being wasted. Uh, they're going to have a bit of a hard time getting rid of me right now. All right, that's fair, Jim. I'll be in touch, sir. I always appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. I guess I get the last word since it's my podcast. Always enjoy having Jim on. I clearly don't agree with Jim on many points. I do agree with him on that $75,000. That was a waste of money. Yeah, I'm with him on the university being more transparent. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to get Mark Coyle and Eric Kaler for interviews. I've been denied left and right. Actually, I haven't even tried on Coyle in the last handful of weeks because how many times can you try and keep being told no? So it bugs me. Trust me. You know, it absolutely bugs me. I would love to sit down with one or both and throw them some challenging questions. And by the way, heck, if I sit down with Coyle, there's actually a lot of good. You think about the Athletes Village. I just saw Ben Frazier, who works for the University Athletic Department, tweet out some photos. I mean, that Athletes Village is just about done. I took a tour, I don't know when that was, late August, early September, It will be phenomenal. It will be a game changer. Men's basketball is rolling right now. The women's basketball team is rolling. I know they lost on Wednesday to North Carolina, but they're off to a great start. Men's hockey is off to a good start. Women's hockey is off to a solid start. There's a lot of good going on. Volleyball has a chance to make another run to the Final Four. I'm still all in on P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck won me over turning Western Michigan into a winner. The man can coach, the man can recruit. So if I get some face time with Mark Coyle, it would actually be a lot of positivity, but there are some challenging questions undoubtedly to ask Mark. But, hey, I like having Jim on. I like differing opinions. I like going back and forth with Jim. Heck, I could go for two hours with Jim, but I figured I'd cut him off at some point. All right, let's get to some scoopage. Then we'll get to the Gophers quarterback, Vic Veramontis. I also caught up with Zach Parisi. On Wednesday afternoon, so if time allows, I will play that conversation as well. Zach Parisi was back on the practice ice for a brief period on Wednesday morning, still a number of weeks away from returning to game action, but he's at least moving in the right direction after that back surgery in late October. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple podcast. Thielen's ability to get open just amazes me. And if you, you come to a game here live and watch it, just watch him. It's almost like he is is playing schoolyard football. He just continues to move and move and move. And the great thing is, for the most part, if the pass is thrown in his vicinity, he's going to catch it. His unwillingness to give up on a route or give up on a play and continually go where he needs to go to be an option is really fun to watch. And it seems like, oh, yeah, duh, he gets paid lots of Cash to, to do that. That should be simple. You see a lot of, a lot of guys who when the play starts to go south are like, well, I was open and now I'm not. Adam Thielen's willingness to make himself a target consistently is a huge, huge thing. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page.
Let's start Gophers basketball. I am taping this on Wednesday late afternoon, so before tip-off against number 10 Miami. I'm actually taping this before I head down the street to Williams Arena. I have to be there for that game. Here's some notes about the game. I've tweeted a number of these notes, but I get it. Some people listen to the podcast. They don't follow me on Twitter. 13 NBA scouts will be in person Wednesday night to watch the Gophers and Miami Hurricanes. Bruce Brown, Lonnie Walker are presumed first-round picks for the Hurricanes. But then there's Amir Coffey, there's Reggie Lynch. Heck, the way Nate Mason is playing, scouts at least have to keep an eye on him when it comes to the G League. Heck, Jordan Murphy, yes, he's an undersized power forward at the next level, but Jordan Murphy is good enough to make money somewhere one day. So NBA scouts have plenty to watch when it comes to the Gophers and Hurricanes. It is a big recruiting night for the Gophers. Here are all the recruits that will be in the building Wednesday night at Williams Arena. Well, let's start with commitments, Gabe Kausher and Jarvis Omersa. So Gabe of DeLaSalle, Jarvis of Orono. They make up two-thirds of the 2018 recruiting class. Those two will be in attendance. Here are the high school kids. Well, those two are high school kids. But here are the high school kids that are not committed anywhere that will be in attendance. Sophomore from Minnehaha Academy, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs is one of the best players in the country in the class of 2020. Anytime he is at Williams Arena, it is a great thing. Zeke Naji, Jr. from Hopkins High School, 6'9 forward. He was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Great kid. I met his dad. His dad is fantastic. He's got a Gophers offer, a Wisconsin offer, a Nebraska offer, an Iowa offer. Undoubtedly, that offer list will only grow as he has a year for Hopkins and he plays next summer for Howard Pulley. Matthew Hurt, one of the best players in the country in the class of 2019, Rochester John Marshall, 6'9", forward. He will be in attendance. Now, I'm told he's actually practicing until 6'15 in Rochester, so we'll have to hop in the car, drive fast. But the idea is for Matthew Hurt to be at Williams Arena on Wednesday night. Ben Carlson, the 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", big man from Eastridge. Dawson Garcia from Prior Lake. Tyrell Terry from De La Salle. So it is a, again, incredible recruiting night. You think about how Williams Arena will be rocking. It's a great environment to welcome as many recruits as possible. On to the Wolves. How about this? This was hilarious. So I take Droogy, my six-year-old, to the game. It was before Thanksgiving. Who did they play? Orlando. The Orlando game last Wednesday night. So we have pretty good seats. He turns to him and he goes, hey, does the Wolves coach like what he does? You know, it was something along those lines. And I said, Drew, it would be nice if if Tom Thibodeau smiled from time to time. He just, he always looks so miserable. They were up by 26 at one point in that game, had to hold on in the fourth quarter. But they were blowing out Orlando in the third quarter, and Tibbs just didn't look like he was having fun. I just thought that was noteworthy from the six-year-old, him noticing that it didn't look like Tibbs was having fun. I was asked on Twitter about Mike Dunleavy Jr. The Wolves have that open roster spot. The bench is a dumpster fire. Might the Wolves have any interest in Mike Dunleavy Jr.? I'm told no dialogue with Mike since the season started. Here's a trade name to keep an eye on. I had a league source tell me the Wolves have interest in Nerlens Noel of the Dallas Mavericks. Signed a qualifying offer. Heck, you think about the Wolves. Carl Anthony Towns plays too many minutes. They could use a guy that can block shots, rebound. You know, he would fit the bill for, for a need. They need a wing. You know, they could use a, a three-man that can, that can play some defense and hit a three-pointer. And they could use a big man that rebounds and blocks shots. So Nerland's Noel, just a name to watch. Nothing is on the cusp of happening. Just a name to watch as we get closer to the trade deadline in February. And I'll remind you, I've talked about this before on the Scoop Podcast. I'm told the Wolves are not interested in taking on 
long-term money. Now, they'll send some money out in a trade if they end up making a trade, but there isn't a sense that they want to take on any long-term money. So if they send out good money, yeah, they're open to taking in good money, you know, but they would have to send some out. So, you know, Phoenix is a good trade partner, right, with Jared Dudley, with Tyson Chandler. But the Wolves aren't taking on Tyson Chandler's money, for example, without sending out good money. I've noted in the past the Wolves have done some due diligence on Jared Dudley, how he's doing after his summer surgery. No steam whatsoever on Tyson Chandler. Just a name I'm tossing out when you think about the Wolves' needs of a rebounder, a shot blocker. And let's not forget, by the way, as bad as the loss to Washington was the other night, you know, as painful as the Miami home loss was, some other losses, the Wolves are over 500. They're on pace to win, what, 46, 47, maybe 48 games. They should be a playoff team. Now it helps in the West, you know, that Millsap is out, that Gobert is out, that Blake Griffin is out, Kawhi Leonard of the Spurs. You know, the Wolves have caught some breaks. You think about, you know, playing in Miami, Whiteside out from Miami, playing Washington the other night, even though they lost, you know, no John Wall. The Wolves have caught some schedule breaks you know, hopefully they can maintain their health with all the minutes these starters are playing. But I'm just saying, for the first time in 13 years, the Wolves should be in the playoffs. Let's not forget that, that it is a process. It takes a little while. So let's just all calm down, even though I've overreacted at times. I was not happy on Tuesday night after the Wolves go up two with 50 seconds left, then couldn't get a stop. I mean, the defense is absolutely a concern. The lack of three-point shooting is a concern. There are some concerns, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to remember that the Wolves are still a playoff team, and how much fun will playoff basketball be come April at Target Center when it's been so long? All right, let's get to the Twins. I'll start with a Miguel Sano update. He is now 16 days removed from the left leg surgery. He is still in New York Continuing to rehab, I'm told Miguel Sano is doing well. In about two-ish weeks or so, he will continue his rehab in Fort Myers. So he'll go from New York to Fort Myers. So that's good news if you didn't want him to go to the Dominican Republic to continue his rehab. He may ultimately end up in the Dominican at some point this winter, but the next step in the rehab process will take place in Fort Myers. The Twins remain heavy on arms. I was supposed to maybe get some face time with Dad Levine on Wednesday at Target Field. Just trying to get a winter meetings preview, I'm told. He is too busy, just too much going on. So even though publicly there's not a lot going on, not much steam, the Twins behind the scenes are working their you-know-what off when it comes to trying to acquire a frontline starter plus a reliever, maybe even multiple starters, at least one big-name starter, whether it's free agency or a trade. I'm telling you, don't dismiss the possibility of a trade. They've talked to the Pirates, the Rays. Here's a new one. I'm told they have had conversations with the Mets. So whether it's you, Darvish, and free agency, any number of starters available via a trade, I'm positive the Twins will be active, active very soon. They continue to do their homework on Shohei Otani. I had the note a couple podcasts ago, tag teaming with Joe Schmidt, although I still don't have a name, but I'm told the Twins hired a trainer with ties to Japanese baseball. This trainer knows you, Darvish, knows Shohei Otani. So the Twins are doing everything in their power. Now, to get you, Darvish, you'll need to pay, whether it's a five-year deal or a six-year deal, that remains to be seen, but we're talking 18 to $22 million per season. You know, we're talking $110, $120 million on a long-term deal if it's six years. In the end, are the Polads willing to sign off on that contract? But I'm not breaking news here. The Twins think the world of you, Darvish. The Twins would love you, Darvish. But in the end, would the Polads sign off 
on an enormous free agent contract, or does it make more sense to give up multiple prospects for a guy like Garrett Cole or Jake Oda Rizzi? Is Chris Archer potentially gettable? You know, a Matt Harvey, does that make more sense? You know, go get the reliever that way. Iglesias with the Reds, Cole May with the Rays, any number of relievers. But I can just tell you behind the scenes, the Twins are working their you-know-what off. It does seem like starter is a bigger priority than reliever. You know, the Twins are maintaining dialogue with a number of free agent relievers, but no offers extended as of date. You know, so if you're wondering if the Twins have extended Brandon Kinsler an offer, the answer is no. You know, Brian Shaw, have the Twins extended him an offer? The answer is no. They like those guys, but no offers extended to the relievers that I have checked on. Let's get to Gophers football. We'll start with Vic Viramontes. Had a chance to connect with the new Gophers quarterback, or he'll sign with the Gophers come December 20th. He'll be here on campus come January, so he'll participate in winter workouts, then spring ball. I would make him the betting favorite to be the 2018 quarterback. He's from Riverside Community College in California, in high school, originally a Michigan commit. Ended up signing with California, then Sonny Dykes loses his job. The new Cal staff came in, didn't really see the fit with Viramontes, so he didn't end up in Berkeley. You know, So he ends up at Riverside Community College, had an offer from Ole Miss, also had an offer from Kansas. But Ole Miss, hey, that's pretty good, right? An SEC offer. So he chose the Gophers over Ole Miss and Kansas. Six one and a half, six two. Unprompted, he actually hugged me after after the interview on Monday at the airport. You know, I just I think he was soaking in the moment. I gave him a hug back. Hey, I'm a hugger, right? You know, heck, I understood that he was just cherishing the moment. You know, just a a long journey. You think about the last few years, everything he's been through. So to get to the point of taking that official visit to Minnesota, having his mom and dad there, then committing to Minnesota, then me talking to him about an hour and a half. After he committed, there was just there was a lot of emotion, but I really like the kid. I'm rooting for Vic Veramontes. So anyway, Vic Veramontes, dual threat quarterback. He can throw it, he can run it. You can Google, you know, go to his huddle video if you want to see the video of Vic Veramontes. But anyway, here's my conversation with the new Gophers quarterback, Vic Veramontes. Vic, you certainly had options. I mean, you had Kansas, you had Ole Miss. Why Minnesota? Um, just coming on the visit, uh, I really like what Coach Fleck uh, had to offer. He had really high energy. I like that a lot. Um, playing for a young coach like that, it was just uh, felt like the best opportunity for me right now. Uh, what they had to offer, uh, the new facilities, uh, those are really nice. Mm, just all around, I like the vibes and the atmosphere in Minnesota. How about the offense? I mean, P.J. Flex offense, Kirk Shiraka's offense. How's that offense fit your skill set? Um, me and Coach Kirk were talking today on the visit how uh, the offense fit me. I like uh, I like how it's like an NFL style spread offense. Um, I like how you can adapt and grow into becoming an NFL quarterback. And uh, the way he said he'll use my skill set. I mean, how will he use your skill set? I mean, you're a dual threat kind of quarterback. I mean, they're going to have to utilize your legs. Yeah, uh, he said there will be some design runs for me in the uh, offense. So that's a plus. Is the idea, I mean, with Demery Croft leaving, that this is pretty much your job in 2018? You know, uh, I'm coming in in January, and we're all going to compete. The quarterbacks are on the roster right now. We're all going to come in and compete for the spot. I suppose that's the way you want it. I mean, you know that wherever you end up, and, you know, a lot of Gophers fans are thankful it's it's Minnesota, but you knew that nothing would be promised, that you'll have to compete for, for your playing time. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing that I wanted. I wanted to come into a program where I can come in and get a fair shot and compete. Tell us more about your skill set. I mean, I look at the numbers. 
you know, seven and a half yards of carry. I mean, all sorts of touchdowns. You do it with your legs. You do it with your arm. But, I mean, are you a little bit better in one area? I mean, just tell us a little bit about your, your style of play. Um, you know, uh, you can always get better uh, as a quarterback. Uh, when you make a run, you can always make a better run. The way I think about it is what can I do to – so if, say if I make a move, what can I do to make a better move? Or if I throw a good ball, what can I do to throw a better ball? That's the way I think about it. What's this journey been like? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point in high school you were committed to Michigan. You end up signing with Cal. The coach leaves Cal. You end up at Riverside. It's been a lot the last couple of years. Is it nice to finally be settled and say, okay, I'll be here at Minnesota for a while? Yes, sir. It was a long journey. Uh, I have a lot of family that supported me throughout this. I have, uh, I'm very pleased to have Coach Kraft and the uh, RCC staff bring me in and uh, give me the opportunity to play football at their college, their junior college. And um, it gave me the opportunity to uh, uh, show myself out there and get a couple offers. What's the next month going to be like? I mean, next thing you know, you'll be here on campus full-time in January. I'm excited. Just got to uh, train, train, uh, work with my quarterback coach, and get bigger, faster, and stronger. Will you have three years to then play? The idea is you still have three years of eligibility. Yeah, I'll, be three for three. I'll be a three for three. And everything about Minnesota, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, think about that athlete's village that will open up about the time you get here. I mean, everything about the program, your meeting with P.J. Fleck the last day and a half, just excites you about Minnesota? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get up here. Uh, I can't wait. Counting, I'm counting the days down. What was it like when you got the Minnesota offer? Were you keying in on Minnesota, just circling the last couple of days, saying, I can't wait till I get to Minnesota to, to see what they have to offer in person? Um, no, I was more focused on my team at the time. Uh, we were – like 8-0 at the time when coach offered me and um, I just wanted to focus more on the team and put my team first at the moment and then after season ended I wanted to think about my decision what what I thought was best for me at the time. What's the feedback been like? I'm, I'm sure you've been active on on Twitter the last few hours. What's been the reaction since since you committed? Oh my my, my phone's blowing up right now. It's frozen. I can't I'm looking through my notification and it just keeps freezing. So uh, I'm gonna go on the airport sit uh, come back home and then I'll take a look at them. Where do you need to get better? I mean, you're about to compete at the Big Ten level. I'm not breaking news here. That's a step up in, in competition. Where do you need to improve over the next nine or ten months to make sure that come next September you're on the field? Um, you can always get better in any aspect of playing quarterback. Uh, the thing I want to get better at is becoming more mental, watching more film, understanding what the defense is trying to do, understanding what I need to do when they come out in a certain coverage. Um, my hot routes, if they come in blitz, I want to learn different protections, stuff like that. You have good size. I mean, legit, what, 6'1", six, 6'2"? Six, yes, sir. And then, you know, weight-wise, are you about what you want to weigh? I mean, heck, uh, you're, you're already a mature college young man. My weight goes up and down, so it depends. I mean, is there, did they talk to you about, you know, working on your body come January? Um, they said whatever I felt comfortable, my weight, whatever my weight feels comfortable at, I played best at. How much of a family atmosphere was it? I mean, when you got to campus yesterday, was it just everybody welcoming you and embracing you with open arms? Yes, uh, I talked to a couple of players on the team. Uh, nothing but good vibes. Um, I liked how they took me in. Um, the coaching staff is wonderful. Um, just the city's beautiful. Uh, I like the academics here at Minnesota, so that's a plus as well. Um, just overall, I just feel like it's a great fit for me. What will you study? Uh, right now I'm undeclared, but I want to do something with sports. So sports management probably or kinesiology. I'll leave you with this. What, what players did you talk to specifically? 
Um, I talked to uh, the running back. Uh, I don't know his name. I know his MVP, though. Rodney Smith? Yep, Rodney Smith, yep. And uh, I talked to a couple of my future linemen that are going to be there. And were they just like, hey, we need you? We need a quarterback. You have to commit? Um, they're just, uh, they weren't really pressuring me. They were just really telling me the positives about the program. And there's really nothing negative about the program. Everything was all positive. New Gophers quarterback Vic Viramontis. I also know that he had a conversation with Connor Rhoda and everybody he talked to, players all throughout the athletic building just spoke highly of playing for P.J. Fleck. So Vic Viramontis, nothing guaranteed. I do know that internally there are high hopes eventually for Tanner Morgan. He doesn't have the arm strength yet, but really smart kid, great work ethic. You know, it's now 99.9% that Vic Viramontis is the starting quarterback next August. But I do think as a JUCO, you know, being more mature that he does have the inside track. But I'm just saying, you know, there are some fans of Tanner Morgan over there. He did put up prodigious numbers in high school. He was originally a Western Michigan commit. Then Fleck comes here. He follows Fleck to Minnesota. A little undersized, potentially. You know, and again, needs to work in his arm strength. But don't dismiss at some point the possibility of Tanner Morgan getting some snaps. But I would make Vic Viramontes the betting favorite to start come the first game of the year in 2018. Also on Gophers football, Demry Croft with the Twitter message, you know, talking about this door incident. Yes, there was something with his door. That's between him and the management people of the apartment complex. That's got nothing to do with football. He violated team rules multiple times. Heck, violated NCAA rules. There was a lot more going on there with Demry Croft. I'm not quite sure what he was getting at. In that Twitter message, you know, at this point, it's, you know, heck, wishing him nothing but the best. It's it's almost too much to be piling on at this point. But there's so much more to that story. It's not even close. What took place was Saturday after the Wisconsin game, Wisconsin debacle. Demry, his dad, they requested a meeting with P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck granted that request. They were going into the meeting with the idea that they were going to ask for their release. Fleck was going to grant the release. But I'm told the meeting, uh, let's just put it this way, there's some tension in the room. It did not go so well. Then Croft was trying to get to the team banquet on Sunday. He was actually ready to go. They pulled him off the team bus, I'm told. He never made it to the banquet. Now, my point was Croft should have fought to be there one final time around his teammates. But whatever, That's it. it's in the past. I mean, in that in that regard, whatever. I mean, I'm probably on an island there on that opinion. It doesn't matter. But I'm told he was... Just about barely recognized at the team banquet. Might not have even been recognized at all, which I don't understand. He did play well in the Nebraska game and the Illinois game. But anyway, Demry Croft is gone. He is out of sight, out of mind, among a handful of guys that won't be back. Rashad still won't be back. We talked about him on Scoop Podcast 111, Jalen Waters, and others. It's actually unbelievable if you look at the 2015 recruiting class. About half those guys are no longer on the team. Also on Gophers football, December 8th is a big recruiting weekend. Antonio Montero, my guy Antonio Montero of Eden Prairie, will be there. Now, at this point, the Gophers are only offering a preferred walk-on spot. I suppose he'll consider it Mr. Do-Everything for Eden Prairie. Running back, linebacker, kicker, punter, was phenomenal in the state championship game against Minnetonka. He's a little undersized. That's why the Gophers are reluctant to extend him a full offer. But he's the Star Tribune Metro Player of the Year. Just an unbelievable run for Eden Prairie the last few years, in particular this senior year. He's got an offer from Air Force. Illinois might be close to offering him. Iowa State might be close to offering him. 
But it would be nice if he ends up in a Gophers uniform. We'll wait and see if they end up making him a scholarship offer or if it stays as a preferred walk-on offer. But either way, it's a good sign that Antonio Montero of Eden Prairie will be on campus for a visit the weekend of December 8th. Until then, busy recruiting times for the entire Gopher staff. P.J. Fleck has been in Missouri, Florida. Kirk Scirocco went to go see a quarterback in Texas. That's a Colorado State commit that also recently got an Iowa offer. So the Gophers are still trying to add another quarterback to their 2018 recruiting class, so they'll have Viramontes. They have a kid that's from Mankato that was the quarterback for IMG Academy in Florida. I actually met him like five or six months ago. I was over at the Quarterback Institute in Eden Prairie doing a story on Mitch Leidner his pre-draft preparation. This kid was over there. Really nice young man. His name is Zach. He'll come in as a preferred walk-on, but I'm telling you, if you look at his tape, the year he had for IMG Academy, that is one heck of a get as a preferred walk-on. So Zach will have a chance at some point down the road. You've got Viramontes, but the Gophers also working on bringing in a high school scholarship quarterback in the class of 2018. All right, let's get to Zach Parisi. I don't have anything too pressing on the Vikings. Mike Remmers, as I said on the Andy Carlson podcast a couple days ago, all signs point to Mike Remmers being back in the field on Sunday for the Vikings after he suffered the concussion in the London game against the Browns, then missed the Redskins game, the Rams game, the Lions game. Mike Remmers should be back for the Vikings in Atlanta on Sunday. So let's do this. Let's get to Zach Parisi. Had a chance to catch up with Zach on Wednesday mid-afternoon in Hastings at a United Heroes League event. Him and teammate Marcus Foligno purchased 25 full gear, you name it, helmet, hockey stick, just a bag full of of hockey equipment for military kids. So United Heroes League is the former defending the blue line. They do so much work. Shane and his crew do so much work for military families, military kids. So Parisi, Foligno were down in Hastings doing an event with a number of military kids. They played hockey with them post for pictures, signed autographs. So I had a chance to catch up with Zach. We talked some United Heroes League, and he gave us an update on, as he's now, what, four and a half weeks removed from back surgery. So he gave us an update on how the recovery is going. Here is Zach Parisi. My guess is they don't have to twist your arm too much when they say, hey, we need you down in Hastings on so-and-so day. You know, when it comes to United Heroes League, there's not a lot of arm twisting going on. No, there's not. I, and uh, we've said it before. Um, Shane does such a good job with this organization. And... Um, you uh, you see how you know you see how happy the kids are out there and getting to play ball hockey with them a little bit and meet them and um, but it's it's a really neat organization and they 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 do a really good job and, and I, I I enjoy uh, being part of it. I mean, does it blow you away? I mean, considering where this organization once was, defending the blue line, to where it is today. I mean, just look at this facility down here. Yeah, and, and the way, and this is my first time here, and you know the way they were able to expand in other sports as well, but. Um, you know, you go back in the in their warehouse back there, and you see all the gear that they've got, and and you know the fact that just the families can come in and grab the gear. You know what I mean? It, uh, how cool is that to, to for them to have that opportunity to do that? Um, so they, you know, the way it's grown, it's it's um, it's they, they've done a fantastic job. Is this charity even maybe more near and dear to your heart, considering your your dad's background with it? Yeah, I, well, he's he's the one that. You know, showed me, introduced me to it, explained to me what it was all about, and and you know, it was uh, it, it was he was very passionate about it, and um, when he and when he explained to me the concept of it, you know, it was a no, it was a no brainer. Like, yeah, that that I, I'd love to be a part of that, um, and but yeah, I think it 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 was a pretty special thing um, for for our whole family that you know how how, how passionate he was about it to 
to you know continue to be a part of it. We're about four and a half weeks removed from from your surgery. It's our first time talking to you. How how are things going? Really good. Um, you know the first few weeks was pretty slow as far as the rehab, but um, you know was able to get on the ice today for the first time and, and move around a little bit, and which which was great. It was it was felt great to get back out there. Um, still still you got a lot of work to do, but at least you know it's progress and it, it's getting there. A long-term outlook, fine. I mean, from the doctors that, that you've talked to, everything should be good to go once you're back full-time? Yeah, from, from everything that, that they've said, and, you know, as long as it's rehabbed properly. and um, I mean, stuff happens. You never know. But, I mean, as long as rehab properly and um, should hopefully move past. I mean, it's been a couple of years now, so hopefully be able to move past it and then, you know, come, come back even better and, and uh, continue to improve. What's the frustration level when you're sitting at home watching, especially whether it's the last two games or any number of, of the ten losses so far? Well, it's always frustrating being not being a part of of the group and not traveling and not playing in the games and and you know even especially more to start the season out. I mean, it's you know you train all summer and you prepare and you prepare and then all of a sudden, oh by the way, you got to get you know what I mean. So it's just that part was was very frustrating, but it's you know it's the way it goes and. Um, you just deal with it and get it better and play when you can play. What you after this? What was it like going back to Grand Forks over the weekend? It was great. You know, I, was, I hadn't been back there, and I, well, I hadn't seen a game there since my brother played, and that was I don't know if it was '06 or '07. So it's been a long time, and you know, the first time seeing the renovations underneath, and it's I mean, it's they did such a fantastic job. It's um, those those guys are spoiled up there. They. Uh, it was great to be back and to see all that new stuff. And um, they, 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 they do a really good job up there in Grand Forks with those guys. Breezy was back at the University of North Dakota on Saturday night. He dropped the ceremonial first puck before the Fighting Hawks game. Zach Parisi providing an update after his back surgery four and a half weeks ago, late October. That will do it for Scoop Podcast episode 112. If you need more of a Twins fix, Mike Radcliffe, Twins VP, was on episode 110. He was great. He gave us injury updates on Trevor May, Phil Hughes, JT Shagwa. We talked off season. So if you need your Twins fix, I'm telling you, things will heat up here very, very soon. I am positive the Twins will be active. I'm just saying I think a trade is more likely than giving a free agent a $110 million contract. But, hey, they are still talking to Joel Wolf, the agent for you, Darvish. So we can't dismiss it. I'm just saying don't be surprised if they make a trade. But the Twins will be active very, very soon. Again, thanks to Running Tap, running-tap.com online. Use the promo code THESCOOP002, THESCOOP002 for $20 off your order of $30 or more. So you have to spend the 30 but you get 20 off by using the promo code THESCOOP002. Have beer delivered right to you. Good local beer. Go to running tap. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 112. We'll be back soon.